You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome into the Two Stars One Cup podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Shippy, and as always, joining me is my main man, Craig Ludwig. Luds, how you doing, man? I am good. I'm ready to get Christmas over with. So oh my gosh, me too. Forty-eight hours. I've had enough. So <laughs> I haven't done my started yet. I haven't started my Christmas shopping either, and I'm just gonna let everybody in on the secret. The secret is to um, go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. Because everybody else is like, everybody else is doing family stuff. So single guys like me can go and get whatever's left at the mall for my family members. And I avoid all the lines and the hassle. What do you think about that strategy? Well, it's your strategy. I just like to bypass the whole thing. I try to do it all online and then I find out it's back ordered. And so they don't get any of their stuff until like the middle of January. So yeah, it's kind of like that every year with me. Well, I'm thinking about postponing it um, a month. You know, everything seems to be getting postponed these days, like the NHL season. And, you know, last week uh, when we talked, you you predicted based off your NHL TV subscription that uh, we would have a season announced and division settled. And your uh, inside sources were correct, Luds. We've got a season. Um, It starts January 13th. There'll be no preseason. There will be fans in some of the stands, including the Dallas Stars stands. Um, what, uh, what are your thoughts on what the NHL and the NHLPA were able to come up with and, uh, how do you see, you know, things shaking out with these newly aligned divisions? Uh, the divisions are going to be interesting. I think when you go ahead and take a look, I'm good for Dallas. I mean, they were going to be in that West. And so the time zone, I think for a lot of fans was always going to be an issue, probably nightmares from the days when they had to start watching games at 10 o'clock at night when they were out in California somewhere. Uh, but, but you know what? I, I think what it did for Dallas, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's an easier road to make the playoffs, but I think there's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I'd say a three-team race to finish in the top three or four spots. Uh, you know, I think Tampa, obviously, but it, what it does is it creates a rivalry between Dallas and Tampa, which we would have never thought we would have seen, mm-hmm. um, even if they would have been in the, uh, in the finals and then had to a regular season because you'd only play them a couple times a year. Um, so now when you're going to play a team eight times or so, I guess it is eight times, uh, probably four home and homes, if that's the way they decide to set it up, um, you know, and coming off of last year, uh, get right at it. I would hope that, uh, you would see Dallas and and Tampa in the first couple games of the season for each other. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that they, you know, that the stars kind of got off easy here, just not even, not even just because of the time zone change, but I think the central is a weaker division, um, then, uh, the, the, I guess the West is what they're calling it this season. Uh, I think that they got, you know, that the competition is going to be a lot, uh, a lot easier for the stars to make the playoffs. Like you said, I think outside of, I think outside of Tampa Bay is Carolina, the other team that scares you the most in terms of being better than the stars in that division. Yeah. I, I think that, 
I don't know. I, there's parts of me that think that Carolina can probably even push to be first in that division. I, we'll see. I mean, I think they've been on the on the build right now. You know, Tampa's got their their superstar in Kucherov that seems to be out with an injury right now. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, the other thing for me that that happens when this realignment is, and, and you look at how many times that they would have to play against each other, and and yeah. so you're always those are they're always four point games um, when they were in when they're with Vegas and St. Louis and teams like that. So. Now, all of a sudden, um, you know, you get the Chicago's, you get the Detroit's. We'll see where Chicago, I, Chicago always seems to to concern me. I think they've always had good teams. They still have Taze and Kane and, you know, Duncan Keith and guys like that. Their goaltending will be an issue. Detroit, I think, is uh, probably the throwaway. I think you have to look at, you know, if you're playing that team eight times this year, for instance, you better make sure you're taking 12, 14 points from them um, because you would believe other teams are. And that's what I think happens in division things like this is that, you know, those teams, whether it's Tampa, Carolina, Columbus could be tough. Nashville, they went out and signed a couple centermen today. Um, we'll see where they're at. I, I think that the Preds are are a club. There may be a, a passing of the torch and goaltenders there. So we'll see how they do. Um, they still have a, a real good uh, defense core there. But I think there's four teams or so. And, and again, you know, you've got to take out of eight games. You probably got to win six of them. Uh, mm-hmm. in order to get the point advantage in that, you know, and, and again, it's all about making the playoffs. So uh, that's the, that's the setup for me in all of these divisions It's because you're playing each other. It's kind of like a college season, you know, I mean, you're, you're going into a building, you're probably going to play them two times in your building and, and so on. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me sometimes that they'd even try to bring in another team. I don't know if you want them sitting around waiting for them to play, but um, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to create some rivalries, some old rivalries like the, the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. And, you know, you just you're playing more often. Yeah. And, and some and some new ones. So but I, I do think that Carolina can really push for it. If they get everything together, they stay healthy. They're a fast team. They seem to outshoot every single one of their teams that they play against all the time. They play fast. Uh, and it probably comes down to goaltending them like it usually does for a lot of teams. Do you think that the West is the toughest division in these newly uh, aligned divisions? Yeah, well, I think when you look at, you know, the well, it depends on how you look at what's tough. The the the, the Canadian division. Uh, that's, that's the one tough. I was going to throw out there. Well, it's tough, but they're not real good teams. I mean, I think Toronto. I, I think Toronto should win that. Montreal maybe there, but. But there, there, there's there's a lot of teams that are equal in there. And so, again, they're all taking points away from each other on a night-to-night basis. Yeah. I, I think that Canada is really going to love it um, for, a, for the short season that it is, um, you know, because now they're getting to see, you know, Canada play against Canada every night there, and they're broadcasting and things like that. And well, they'll pipe in some American games. But, yeah, there's no question for me that, that I think the West, you know, Vegas. Vegas, I, I would say you'd have to put them, you know, right near the top there. St. Louis, uh, for me, I, I think they're going to be a club. It'll, it'll depend on, I think, Tarasenko, um, what's mm-hmm. his injury status. They really need that guy, in my opinion, to, to kind of get there. But there, I, I think you did kind of dodge a bullet there. And then the other one is obviously Colorado. And, and I would say it's going to be between Colorado and Vegas, who, who ends up on the top of that division, and probably more importantly, that they can finish one and two, so they avoid each other somehow in a, in a early on in the playoffs. You know they can maybe play them in the second round to yeah. see who gets over there. So, um, but it definitely has, and we've seen Colorado firsthand. Talked about it before. If they could have kept one of their two goaltenders healthy in the playoffs, it may have been a different story. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do upgrade um, their goaltending position. Um, they seem to have confidence in both of them. 
And, you know, this is all going to be all about getting off to a quick start for every one of these teams that are willing to division. When you're playing four-point games, you're playing the same teams, um, you know, so often, and you're taking points with each If you get off to a good start and you've got a little buffer there, if you kind of stumble somewhere along the line, um, that's okay. But if you get off to a slow start and you're trying to – we always talk about it during the regular season. It's tough to make up those four-point games because somebody's always taking points away from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, the other thing I'm looking forward to in, with these newly aligned divisions is, um, like you were kind of talking about with the with the North, I'm really looking forward to those, the Austin Matthews and the Connor McDavid matchup. You know, that yeah. being eight times a, I might have to bum your uh, NHL TV subscription so I can make sure I can catch those games. Um, but I, are there any other, are there any other, like, I guess because it's going to be a one season type of uh, change. Are there any any other rivalries that you're looking forward to? Like you mentioned Dallas and Detroit and Dallas and Chicago. Are there any other rivalries that you think, or is, do you think Dallas and Tampa Bay is going to be kind of that premier one season, you know, rivalry coming off of a Stanley cup final against each other? Well, I would expect it to be that. I think it, and the other side, I think it'll be Tampa and Vegas, or sorry, uh, Vegas and Colorado. Mm-hmm. I believe I believe the East is all going to be rivalries. I mean, you're talking about the Bostons, the Rangers, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Philly. Um, that to me is the toughest division. I mean, I think that team is stacked in teams that that always seem to have the ability to finish in a playoff spot. Philly's been coming on strong. Uh, I don't think there's any weak teams. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a, a Jersey. I would probably say that would be the team on the outside looking in there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that becomes important for those other teams, especially the ones that are hoping to finish in the top four. Is every time you play Jersey, you better beat them because the other two or three teams have a chance of beating them, and yeah. that's the way it is in all these. You know, so Detroit comes to town. Like I said, uh, we're going to have to beat Detroit every single night, and it's going to be the same thing. Tampa's got it out now. You know, they're not used to playing against the, the Detroit except for a couple times a year, so yeah, you know, they're going to play them eight times, and that's going to be important for them. So. And there are injuries going on around the league. And the good news is, uh, you know, because Dallas has got a couple guys out, Tyler, we'll find out when Tyler Sagan gets back in healthy. Hopefully, I'm hearing March. Um, uh, you know, and again, Kucherov is an injury that is a, is a club that we're going to be paid. They still have problems with salary cap there, but they will get it figured out. They all will. So, you know, there's other injuries going on that we're hearing about around the league. And it always seems to be the teams that have – Salary cap issues. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? That they've got to find a way. And if you've got a player, not that they want to sit out, you know, Kucherov out of the lineup, but you know, when they're over by I, I last I heard it was somewhere around 10 million, a guy that's making around eight or nine million, it's kind of nice to be able to put that guy in long-term injury, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how that all plays out. But there's a lot of those kind of injuries that are popping up for some reason. Esteen retires in St. Louis. St. Louis is having, a, <laughs> uh, they just brought in a defenseman that they're paying nine, ten million dollars, and they can't figure out how to get the cap out. Now all of a sudden, Steen makes somewhere around six or seven million, but he's going to retire. But they get to use that as going against their cap, so they can take that six or seven million off. So it's just kind of funny how these things are all starting to work out. I really like this that conspiracy theory Luds is coming yeah, back. That's me. You know, we just we just had, we just set this character up on the last episode. <laughs> And it's sticking true through this episode. Now, does this conspiracy theory maybe apply to the stars? Because Jim Neal is, you know, he, he did a little uh, media availability, and he was talking about, you know, the Dallas could find itself with a little more cap space to work with to acquire another player with uh, the stars' potential use of long-term injury reserve. You know, he mentioned, you know, we're working on that. We've got some different options. Every time you make a move, it affects something else. 
We're figuring out these taxi squads. We're running different numbers and we're seeing where things fit. We got different options either to add players or wait and add somebody later when the season gets going. Or do you have enough in-house right now to keep us going? Now, I'll just start with that. Do you think right now that the Stars have enough in-house? And would you save that, you know, that cap flexibility for a trade deadline move? Or would you like to see the Stars go out and maybe make a play for Mike Hoffman or bring back Corey Perry, who's, you know, still an unrestricted free agent? Well, for me, I mean, if, if you were if you had the room to bring in a Hoffman, I would think that that would be the guy you'd go after. Now, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams after a guy like Hoffman. I mean, we talk about that guy. You know, he he can pencil him in for 30, 35 goals every year. And, yeah. and he was probably it's if it wasn't for this COVID and everything that's going on, he probably would have cashed in pretty big. But now it is what yeah. it is. Um, you know, they, he may sign a one year deal like Hall did with Buffalo. He may sign a two or three year deal. Uh, for some dollars, that makes sense. But, you know, I think Jim Nill and the Dallas Stars have always been real good with their cap. I think they've really managed it well. It gives them a little uh, a little room at that time of the year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the trade deadline and stuff works out. Because at the end of the day, I can't see teams within your division in this short-term thing making moves. Why would you want to make a move with somebody in your own division? There's only seven other teams or or whatever it is, seven or six or eight um, teams in your division. So I can't see that happening, uh, especially with teams that are contenders or that think they have a chance to, and why do you want to put another team over the hump that could probably knock you out? I can't see anybody making trades with the Canadian division because if you trade for a player on a Canadian team, it's, it's, it's one thing if you do it real early, oh. but sometimes you don't even know what you have until you get down the road a little bit right in the season. If you got to make a move, an injury comes up. Because if you trade with a, a player on the other side of the border, you got it's got to be a 14-day quarantine. So you don't right. even get that player. And if customs and all the kind of stuff works out. So, you know, the deadline this year, I think, is uh, April 12th. So, mm -hmm. you know, you look, yeah. you make a, you make a trade on the 12th. You're not getting that player to the end of the month almost. Um, playoffs, I think, are scheduled to start around May, which doesn't mean it can't happen. But you, you have that, we're going to make a move for a player, but we're going to wait two, two and a half weeks, whatever it may be, to get it. So it'll be interesting to see how they all want to handle these trades. And like I said, would Dallas and Tampa make a trade? I highly doubt it. Would Dallas and Carolina make a trade? I highly doubt it because unless it's, you know, a minor league deal, that's one thing. And then you talk about the taxi squads. You can take a player. Uh, to work your cap, it sounds like you can take a player that's making six or seven million dollars, and let's just say it's uh, Como. You could take him. You could go ahead and put him on the taxi squad tomorrow when you don't have a game, yeah. and then you can kind of shuffle back and forth. So I think there's these little loopholes that the NHL understands, and they're trying to comply with everything they have. But there may be ways around this for some of these guys to get creative how they work with these taxi squads and everything else. Yeah, and, you know, Jim Neal talked about, too, you know, if he said, you know, with Corey Perry remaining available, he said he wants to find another center with Tyler Sagan hurt. You alluded to the fact earlier that Eric Halla is now off the uh, market as he signed with the Nashville Predators. But, you know, potential free agent targets could be Carl Soder uh, Soderberg and Derek Broussard. Do any of those, either of those names interest you um, joining the star? Uh, Broussard is always, I, I think he's a guy that can, that's got an upside to him. Soderberg, I, I'm not sure about. Um, I think he's more of a third line kind of guy, and, and that guy I can I can see if you want to plug into that hole. But with Tyler Sagan out, uh, you know I think if you're trying to fill that hole, not that you're going to fill Tyler's spot, but mm -hmm. you're concerned about 
putting up some points and, and being able to distribute the puck to, you know, Rads or, or Jamie, whoever to be. So to me, Broussard kind of fits more into that role. If that was somebody that they would look after, I think Broussard can pick up minutes on the power play also. Um, so he probably would fit the bill a little better to get to close to, to replace it. Not to replace Tyler, but to be able to fill in for Tyler. And I think he can do a few more things for you. Yeah, I think that that's the way that I would, you know, lean towards, you know, between those two players as well. Just because Derek Broussard seems to be that kind of guy that, the you know, come playoff time is one of those winning pieces around the net. He's real good, you know, in front of the net. He's a big body and things like that. Um, do, are you... Do you, would you rather see them wait till the trade deadline, though? Like, do you think with them currently constructed, do you think that they can compete, obviously, in the central? Would you prefer to wait, or would you, because of the things you mentioned earlier, the two-week waiting period and potential things like that, would you rather – do you think they'd be more likely to make a move earlier in the season or wait for that deadline? I, you know what? I, I think that they're going to they're gonna see – first of all, I think the schedule comes out probably if, – if it's not out now, it comes out in the next hour or so. Yeah, it's should be what you do, time now. Yeah, so I think you take a look at your schedule. I mean, you know all the teams in there, but but if you're playing some of those teams on the weaker side of this division, you may think you have enough to get past that. Let's give ourselves a little bit more time um, because there may be some teams that are in more of a situation that needs to make some kind of a deal, and you may get a better bargain down the road. Uh, you know, and then also, like I said earlier. If, if you spot in the first 10 games, you're only playing 56. So in the first 10 games, typically we would say in the first 20 to 30 games, if you see some bumps in the road and something's not panning out after a month or so, um, you know, you may entertain, start looking around, making some moves. But right now it's so important to get off to that start. I don't know if you can afford to wait if, if you've yeah. got a problem. Now, again, injury pops up. That That's something that you have to go out there and look. And I'm sure they have a laundry list of players. Um, that they'll look at at every position if, if this happens or that happens to the you know any certain position that they're ready to go all teams are they, they are these these groups now and these clubs with the management and the, the staff that they have they're ready for all different kind of situations and I think they kind of have an a and B and C list um, you know guys that we're gonna have to, hey we're gonna have to take a chance on this guy we really need to get over the hump we got off to a good start and um, it looks like we're gonna be in a playoff position you know we, we get into game 30 or so and you got 25 26 games to go it looks we're in a good playoff spot maybe it is time to, to pull the trigger and you know the other thing is you get an up and close look at i don't know i'd have to say that tampa bay vegas colorado are probably the favorites right now as far as the stanley cup uh finalist goes so you're at least able to keep an eye on them you're number one you got tampa bay um, who's in your division now. So you get a good look and you get to, not that you don't know what you're up against because you just got done playing them in the finals, but, you know, with players that are out, um, new players that may come in, uh, different line combos, you can see what you're up against. I'm having a hard time reading your lips as I can't hear any sound right now. You got me? Now I got you. Okay, there we go. You got to stop hitting the mute button. I know. I uh, well, I got this thing on my my computer that keeps telling me Christmas Eve is tomorrow, and I don't, I can't. I've been trying to get it to stop all day, but it only gives me a snooze option. It's really frustrating. Don't but, you know uh, that Christmas Eve is tomorrow? Do you have to I, have a reminder for that? I, I didn't even set it. That's the thing. Doesn't like, I, this give it away? This here gives it away, doesn't it? Dude, it's right yeah, you you look very Christmassy today. Like you're a Santa okay. hat. You're a Santa hat short of. Having the North Pole over wherever Luds lives. Um, I, well, I'm happy because there's no dinners or parties at my house. It's all my kids this year. So I get to trash their place for the first time. Nice. And you get to come back to like your own like comfy, clean yeah. home. Yep. 
I was uh, I was talking about uh, you know the Dallas Stars having deciding to have fans. You know they're gonna have five thousand fans uh, to start the season out, and you know maybe things will increase as the season goes along. And it, you know it's proven that it can be done safely. Were you surprised um, that the Stars were you know so willing to have stands in the fans or fans in the stands? Um, or do you think that you know having that long playoff run where they were able to host watch parties and things like that did that kind of help them in their in their ability to be able to host you know home games safely? Well, I think when you've got the Dallas Cowboys down the road, I think they've they've seen some things that they've done. They probably learned a few things from them what they're trying to do to keep people safe. Obviously, the building's bigger, so that's one thing. But I think they're letting in what 25,000 people. So Dallas is looking at five thousand. Yeah. They'll they'll have them spread out, you know, to a point I think where it can accommodate everything and be able to 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 stay in line with the rules and everything that the regulations that they have as far as Dallas and Texas goes. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, how how loud they actually are in the building like that. How you know you get five thousand people in there, uh, and I'm wondering are they going to use any sound anymore? Are they just going to let the fans be it? Um, but you know that I, I just. I go back to the finals and, you know, and I look and I felt going through that um, there were some games and some series that I, I truly believe that there are a lot of teams that really wish that they could have played in their home buildings because they have an advantage in their building. You come to Dallas and you've got a great crowd here. And so you've got a, the ability to have, uh, you know, that, that fan base behind you. And it, it does affect the game at times. And when you really need it, and it could be little things from a penalty kill to a power play and things like that. So um, what I'd be doing, I'd, I'd have kept my notes and, you know, let in the, the best fans, the loudest fans that you have and hand them all megaphones and whatever they can to be as loud as they can, give them drums and do whatever they can do. Um, because there is an advantage to be able to have some fans in your building. But it would be interesting to me to, to see if they're in, using any of the, 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 the sound and things like that that they did when there were no people in any of the games in the bubble. Yeah, you want to? Do you want to see some of those? You remember those vuvuzelas, the really annoying things in the uh, the World Cup? For me, a few years back, you want to get some of those in, or maybe some cowbells or something like that. Well, maybe some cowbells, but I'm not a big soccer fan, so I, I don't know what happened in soccer and any other sport. So I don't see that. <laughs> but but there are some annoying things out there. I, I just go. I, I give them like double beer. Just give them all free beer, and that's about as annoying as you're going to get. Look, we're bringing some <laughs> of those fans, and they get free booze for the game and two hours prior, and a little security around them. I think we'll have some great fans like you did in the old barns. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you from um, the watch parties at the AAC during the Stanley Cup run that the most that were allowed in the building were 4,000. And it got really loud in there with no sound pumped in. Like 4,000 was still, you know, it was still able to make, you know, an impact. And there wasn't even anybody on the ice in front of us, right? Like they're just watching on the Jumbotron and just cheering. I think Stars fans too are going to be so starred for, you know, live hockey that the 5,000 that are able to attend each game, that they're going to make sure, you know, that they're going to be excited and loud and, they're probably not even going to have to have a special to buy one, get one free beer. They're probably just going to go and get a six pack for themselves and go to their, you know, go to their seats. So, well, you know, when you think about it, the ones that are going to be at a disadvantage and say there's like Detroit, you know, Michigan numbers aren't great. And I know they've had problems uh, with the COVID and stuff like that. So maybe they don't get to have fans. And so that's a disadvantage, you know, now all of a sudden it seems like there's more of a level playing field when you go into a, to the other buildings that don't have the ability to bring fans in. So, uh, you know, and again, like I said, you get off to a quick start. You do have some fans. Uh, you know, you always want to win your home games and at least split when you get on the road. So uh, a little bit of an edge is what it's going to take, especially in a short season like this. 
Now, you know, speaking of annoying fans, did you ever have a, like a really annoying experience with a fan? Like maybe you were in the penalty box and somebody was, was were, were people when you were in the penalty box, were the people around you typically real annoying or like, what was that? What was that like? You know, I, or did you even I, pay I attention? Was, I, I really didn't hear a lot. I think a lot of us had the ability to kind of two things out. Uh, I had guys in Boston that would dump a beer, you know, dump a beer on you and stuff like that. I just took <laughs> my head back and I think it pissed them off more that I was drinking their beer as they were <laughs> dumping it on my head than, than them just kind of thinking it would get to me. So, but, but I believe that all, all players uh, ultimately can kind of tune that stuff out. And there's a lot of them. You thrive off of some of that stuff because you know, if you're getting booed in another team's building, you're doing something right. And then yeah. that's typically the way you look at it. You're up on the scoreboard or, You've taken a certain player off the ice with you, or or that that guy that that is a uh, uh, you know the spark plug for a club that's uh, the goal scorer. Let's say it's an Ovechkin or a Crosby, something like that, and they're having a rough night and they're yapping all the time. Anytime you get a good a good player yapping back at you, and you know, I, I was one of them kind of guys. Like there there are such things as they're not even trades when you go off with people. Like if I can go off the ice with a with a Connor McDavid, for instance, if I was playing in today's game, that's that's a great that's a great penalty for us, but it's a really bad penalty for them. Yeah. The last thing, McDavid, if McDavid's going to go off the ice, you want to go off with Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan. You right. don't want to go off with a Ludwig because that's like you know it's like putting them on a the power play both sides because now they got me off the ice, mm -hmm. but then I'm off the ice with their best player. So you know that that's all part of the game within the game. Yeah. Now, did you have any like? Did you ever have a in a I guess you have a a time where you remember that where like maybe you got Gretzky or Sergey Fedorov or somebody to drop the gloves with you and you you were like real proud of that going to the box You're like all right like was that like a proud moment was that something that you like sought to do Yeah no I from were with me it was usually the other clown on the other side that was like me they were all smart enough their coaches were good enough to say it's they all told them hey listen if Ludwig don't you don't you don't go off with them you want to go off with them you go ahead go off them that that's an even trade for us but. And, and I do think that, you know, especially those players are so smart to start with. There's a Mario Lemieux and those kind of players that they're not going to go off the ice with us. You know, they're just so much more valuable on the team. You know, we don't see many of those guys get off anyways. Um, so, but but that's really the way the game is. And I think that's what every coach wants. They want to make sure there's good penalties and there are bad penalties. We always talk about, you know, even if it's, if you're saving a goal and there's a cross check or tripping it and it's a guy that's going in that is a 30 40 goal scorer and you pull him down or you take a penalty on him or to avoid a goal that's a good penalty but if i'm going to go down there and i got a fourth liner that i'm going to trip that's going in on a half of breakaway to put them on the power play that guy's just going right to sit on the bench while they bring out their five good plays that's not the good penalty so you know and i think as the years go along you kind of figure those little things out you know the good ones and the bad ones to take and what time of the game to take them at and if there's one that you can change your momentum of a game a lot of times uh, you know those those undisciplined undisciplined penalties come when you're down you know and it's you know, the game's just not going your way and you need something to liven your bench up a little bit so usually that's all part of the program as you learn the game and the when twos and the when not twos.